Hello and welcome to Connected, the podcast about people, ideas, marketing, technology and everything that's good in this world. I'm ASD, a digital man here at Mediacom. Hi, I'm Sue. I'm Chief Transformation Officer at Mediacom. And joining us in the room is Raveline Beeston. How are you doing, Raveline? I'm very well. Thank you. Hello. Raveline is the Head of Sales for Bing UK, having previously been Head of Client Services at Microsoft Advertising and also a stint at Mindshare. And one of the favourite things that we know about you, Rav, because it's cool, is that your degree was physics with astrophysics. Mm. So um, what can the world of advertising learn from this? Um, good research, by the way. Mm. Uh, it feels like a really long time ago, but um, also one of the most enjoyable passions of mine that I realised in my life, mm. because I didn't know that that was something, or, or even science really, was something that I loved until I was probably into my A-level stage, yeah. which is when I first decided that I would foray into the world of physics and, and then absolutely loved it. Uh, without a doubt, um, the power of data has been, if I think about a crossover between physics yeah. or science in general and advertising, yeah. that in the beginning I didn't think I was going to see at such a level, um, it, has, it has been our industry really harnessing the power um, power of data. I think it's revolutionised actually our industry in the last 10 to 15 years. Well, it's probably revolutionising, isn't it? It's, it's continuing. It's, it's a continuing thing, yeah. Yeah, and absolutely, you know, as a scientist, um, we live and die by the data. And, and mm. so it's probably no surprise that I first started in the search world of the business, you know, yeah. even yeah. when I went to Mindshare, because it really brought together the, the two things that I love the most, which is is working with data, mm. um, but it's also this storytelling piece. And I think that's the thing that science and, you know, particularly physics can learn from the advertising world okay. is how you use data to tell stories. Mm. Um, sometimes, you know, we see scientific research and we see things and they can feel a bit siloed and a, and a bit, you know, here's a data point here and here's a data point there all the time. But what I've learned in the advertising world is how you really build a story around data and how you use the data to power that story. Um, I think there's a couple of other things, you know, I've, when we think about where where we're going with data in the industry, um, where I, I still think there's a lot of opportunity in our advertising world with data is how do we, how do we bring it all together and make it a bit more standardized? Because when you think about when there, you know, when there are research papers in science mm. or someone makes some kind of discovery based on the data, there's peer it reviewing. It is peer review. Yes, you're so right. It's peer reviewing. There's publishing of that data. You wouldn't get one equivalent of a media owner or an agency no. publishing something without it being peer reviewed. Exactly, and I think that's where we have an opportunity mm. and almost a duty to our clients and our advertisers is, is to move towards that, um, and the power that gives all of us. Is I don't I don't think we see that and we harness that and, today. and it's and it's working in partnership, it's working in collaboration, which are all the things that we need to do. Right, right. Is there a point as well where the with scientists they tend to use data to they tend to look at the data and find the story? Whereas we can be guilty in media of using the data to find the story we've already written as well. Is is that a learning we can take? Do you think? I, I mean, I th I definitely think that happens. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and and leading on from that, I think. Um, as a scientist, you you hypothesise, you yeah, then test you the hypothesis, yeah, so you yeah, hypothesize, yeah, yeah. but you you thoroughly test and, the hypothesis, and you're happy for the hypothesis to be wrong. Exactly, that's also progress. exactly my point, and I yeah. and that I would like to see happening yeah. more in in our world in advertising, where we aren't afraid if the data tells us something that 
we were not expecting. And I think, you know, right now in business, we talk a lot about failing fast. Mm. I don't think we see it in practice enough. And that is certainly one of those things. Well, and also to be really clear about the difference between correlation and causation. I mean, I actually went to a presentation where the the, the, the speaker was saying, it doesn't matter which it is. Well, it, well, it does actually yeah. matter which it is. And it be really clear, really clear about the differences. Uh, something that science is good at. So you moved from Mindshare to Microsoft. What what were the unexpected parts of moving from an agency life to a media partner? I think there were firstly a lot of differences moving to, uh, you know, a a company sh- the sheer size of Microsoft. I don't think I could have been prepared. Mm. Um, I thought I was because working for a WPP agency, you know, I'd seen my fair share of what it's like to work for a huge company. Um, Moving to Microsoft again was this kind of shock of, it's a a totally different way of of working to what I had been used to before. Um, So that in itself was very different. But then, you know, your specific ask around moving from agency side to media owner, I think, being able to have that bird's eye view of a, I come from agency side and then having this view of how all agencies work and probably the misconception that I had that everybody works fairly similarly, no, not exactly the same. But then when I was looking at, at cultures, at, at mm. structures, at perspectives, at how they think about yeah. the language that they use, yeah. it's so different. And that has been super interesting, but also a challenge for us as a media owner, Mm. because you have to keep speaking the language of the the agency, the clients, and and it changes depending on who you're talking to. And there are, without doubt, there's obviously commonalities, but the the nuances and the differences Mm. are the things that were unexpected, I think, moving. And it has been one of the most interesting things about working with your own side. Mm. Now, in the time that you, you've been at Microsoft, it's changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. What are the challenges that, that, that um, have caused the changes and, and the, how do you feel Microsoft has navigated those? I think they, um, you know, the challenges for Microsoft have been pretty well documented um, as, you know, a company that has gone through its fair share of ups and its fair mm. share of downs. Mm. Um, and without a doubt, the thing... You know, so I've been at Microsoft now for 12 and a half years. Um, the thing that has changed the most, undoubtedly, about Microsoft has been the culture. Um, and I, I think also we talk a lot about this and you hear a lot about the, mm-hmm. the change of culture at Microsoft, but just, I guess, to add my own personal journey and my, mm. my view through that. But... Um, you know, Satya talks a lot about how we rediscover the soul of Microsoft. Um, who are we? What do we stand for? Mm. And that has resonated and is embedded in, in every employee. You know, as an employee myself, it's a question that I've asked myself, particularly over the last, you know, three to four years. You know, who am I here and what do I stand for? Mm. How do I use this wonderful platform that we have at Microsoft to follow my passions and mm. yeah. in what I do every day, but also in what might be happening in my life outside of work? And I think it really starts with, um, with this, the change in our mission statement, which for me, when it happened, you know, Sasha came on board mm. and, I, and I saw that we were so changing just t- our... T- tell our, tell our lovely audience who Sasha is. Yeah, so Sasha Nadella, who Sacha. is the CEO of, um, of Microsoft, um, and our, when he came on board, his mission was very much about empowering every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. Um, 
which is very different. That's it's a, a very human big, yeah. Yeah. statement. Yeah. If you compare that to the very technologically focused statement that, that was our mission before that yeah. around, you know, a PC on every desk in every home and every office. Mm. It's a very stark yeah. difference. Yeah. And, and as an employee, I looked at that mission and if I'm completely honest, thought, that's just words. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'd already been at the company for about nine years before that. Um, and I didn't understand how one person coming along, changing a mission, mm. could change or transform a hundred thousand person strong global mm. company. Um, but, I, you know, I, I wanted to see. And it has been absolutely incredible, you know, to the point where at times I've felt like I'm working for a different company. That investment in in not in not just our technology but mm. the people and mm. how that technology empowers the people who are our consumers who mm. are our partners mm. that has been outstanding in how it resonates in every little thing that we do down to you know you think a company like that how can the culture become because you, yeah. you well because you have so shift. many micro cultures yeah. right in yeah, your yeah, smaller yeah. teams and, and other divisions yeah. and very rare to shift culture but it has so give us yes. so were there some nudges that made it are there any examples you can give us the the example i i'll talk about because it, it's something which is a big passion point for me and something that i put a lot of my time to is our um our commitment around diversity and inclusion yeah and i think prior to such a we talked a lot about this and I, and I think a number of companies have talked about diversity and inclusion for um, for a very long time yes. and I felt like there was a lot of talk and not a lot of action. That is one of the things that has completely changed for me yeah. um, and you know how has it changed is it's gone from being something that we talk about for us to something mm. where we have tangible actions to mm. go away and do and say this is how we realize that priority and and you know mm. one of the big things has been the launch about two and a half years ago of um something that we call the the 10 inclusive behaviors yes which is a, a piece of work that was done with a um, consultancy group um khalil jameson mm. and actually that gives us as as employees as managers and as leaders behaviors that are expected of us to land in our teams yeah. to talk about mm. and they and, really and are they do. still alive oh very, yeah, very much, much so and i think i think it's interesting what you said because probably of course a more diverse culture if you if you change that and work towards that then that has implications on the rest of culture doesn't it it's it's that it's definitely a place to start it's exactly that you know it's it, then you see it start to emulate through everything yeah. and you know if you think about um a lot of the the the, the inclusive behaviors are about how do we ensure that every voice is heard because yeah. it's all very well bringing in talent that is diverse mm. and has diverse opinions and thoughts you've got to and listen backgrounds. To you've got, yes, to, you've got exactly. to get them to speak up. If the voices aren't heard yeah. or, or if those individuals feel like they won't be they're, heard. They're, they are other and they're not home. Then what's, the point? Agree. Yeah. then what's the point? And so that's yeah. why there was such a big onus yeah. to the point we started calling it inclusion and diversity rather than diversity and inclusion because yeah. the inclusion, inclusion bit is, is, is so, my preferred word. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. so important. Yeah. And it's been a journey for all of us, you know, and I think the, the other and thing... And inclusion is so, so different from um, uh, well, I mean, it's just it's, 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 not, it's not a synonym. It's not, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as 
having diversity and it's not the same thing as you know having a great culture mm. having an inclusive culture is a is a yeah. diversity is a tick box right you just go we need one, one of that, that type one yeah. of that type whereas inclusion is we don't really care it's we don't even see it we don't hear it exactly. we just we just you're part of the family exactly. and in many instances all that diversity probably already exists in the organisation because yeah. it's, it's just sitting quietly not yeah. feeling included yeah absolutely and and I you know how I've seen that manifest itself and to the point where actually this year every individual in the whole of the company has a core priority around diversity and inclusion in you know that they are okay. are assessed against and that's the first time it's been now put into that level it has been for managers for yeah. quite some time but now it's for everybody so it's a specific case. so what how is it how is it what kind of KPI is it? So, uh, which are still being... Oh, right. Yeah, I, I think it's subjective, like, around it's, the KPIs. It's, it's more a guidance, and there okay. are some principles around okay. um, how do we think we could land this in yeah. the organisation. I think the it's, it's, it's hard to know sometimes. To it's, it's very difficult. Um, but also, there is a, a real direction around, look, everyone's in a different point on that journey. Yeah. And the point of this is not to get everyone to a destination because there might not be a destination mm. it's just the demonstration that you are all moving along that journey so you know how that might look like a success for one person might be very different to how it looks like success for another but it, it very clearly says these are the sorts of people we want around the culture that we want yeah. you know this is the culture this is what everybody should be driving and looking out for and what the, the, you know to kind of close this off like what's what this shows is that it's not just about doing the right thing, but you look at our business results. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that last week Microsoft became the most valuable company in the oh, world again. Congratulations. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but I like to think I've driven there all. No, um, no, no, but I, I, I agree with you. This is, this, is, this is correlation, right? It's, it's huge. <laughs> Right, a culture yeah. shift and, and transformation yeah. has an impact on business no, results. Mm. And so for me, it's like started to really close the circle yeah. and go, aha, you know, yeah. all these things that yeah. we've been it's working towards for three, three years, they land, they make a difference. You know, and, and you might think, how does that culture, like, how do you take that and correlate that to mm. business results? Um, and, you know, a really good example of that is um, one of the things we talk about is that proximity builds empathy. Mm -hmm. If you want to build products and services for, um, for everybody, mm -hmm. then everybody has to be represented in, in your teams, in your work, or they yeah, need to be heard. Right. Yep. And, and it was through that, actually, um, that so we had this, this annual hackathon that happens, which Satya put in place. Um, was attended by over 20,000 employees last year. It's it's the biggest private hackathon in the world. Mm. And as a result of one of those hackathons, um, this holiday season, Microsoft are releasing their first Xbox adaptive controller, mm. which is that. yeah, which yeah. is made for for different able. Oh, I've, I've read about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah capabilities and mm. and and people. And isn't it astonishing that it should be the first ever? Yeah, absolutely astonishing. And but it, congratulate again. Exactly. Congratulate. But, you know, this is, this is if you think about, yes, it's absolutely a wonderful and it's a right thing to have been doing. Mm. But you also see that from a very business perspective. Right? You, you've opened up a product to, yeah. a, um, to a, an audience that it felt inaccessible to yeah. before. That was specifically excluded. 
absolutely yeah. um so you, that's where i see the link and, and they're happening and they're yeah. coming and it's it's really wonderful to see that so amazing i'm going to jump to questions because in the interest of time yeah, yeah. what don't people know about you Evelyn? oh what don't people know about me yeah um i uh what don't people know about so i like to do a little bit of when i think about how do i you you know how do i take some of the things that i have been privileged to to learn and, and work on whilst I've been at Microsoft. How do I cross pollinate that mm-hmm. around and and give back and, and do something? And um, one of the things actually that I am involved in is I sit on the board of a, a South Asian theatre production company called Rifco. Um, I have done for about six years, five or six years now. Um, and it's a so it's a charity organisation. It's mostly funded by the Arts Council. But they produce plays specifically, um, or in the beginning specifically for South Asian audiences, because there was a real gap in the market for someone, you know, someone like my mum, who's mm. a first generation immigrant, mm. English isn't her first language, mm. and yet we both are super fans of theatre. Mm. But finding mm. productions mm. for her where mm. she would understand the subtleties of you know when the language is being used mm. it never had the same impact on her as it would have on me mm. and um, that's when I first discovered Rifko about 15 years ago um, they were producing plays in in Punjabi in Hindi which is my my mum's mother tongue mm. Um, mm. but also in English mm. but telling the stories yeah that were that resonated with my mom yeah. that resonated with me you know i looked on the stage and was yeah. like oh my god i get that yeah. and i suddenly felt like this is how this is how everyone else must feel when they go see you know west end plays and yeah. and it, it was my first it's identity isn't it absolutely you know if, yeah. again it, it was probably the first time i really understood what representation you know yeah. really meant and why it was important and um five or six years ago you know there was an opening on their board and luckily for me they were specifically looking for someone with marketing background and experience mm. um prior to that i had never sat on any board before yeah. in my life but i thought what the hell let's yeah. give it a go um and see what happens and so i you know i trialed for a few months and uh six years on i'm still there but it's it, you know it's a not only a passion point i think and yes i have been able to contribute a lot to mm. the direction and, and where Rifco has has come to today which mm. is a much more mainstream um a global touring yep. company now uh, which is an amazing journey to go through but i have learned just as much from them and that business as as mm. probably i've given yeah. to them because working in a completely different industry particularly mm. one that is not for profit mm. you, your your objectives and your goals are, are completely mm. different and I've taken a, a lot from from that experience. And if someone wants to go see a show, is there a website? Yes, there is. You can go to rifco.com. Rifco.com. Okay. I'm sure you can um, search on Bing for Rifco. You absolutely well. can yeah. search on Bing. Now, now you are head of sales for Bing UK. Uh, for, for Bing UK. Um, what's next? So what's next for Bing? Um, so from a um, there's two sides of looking at this looking Hopefully at for a for consumer you, we're co- combine yeah. the questions okay let's do that well let's think of it from a consumer perspective yeah. um, I think one of the, the you know one of the challenges that we have is consumers can have a, con- a you know preconception that Bing is just the same as any other search engine yeah. um, and that you know that's not their fault that's a challenge for us and that we it's have to work on mm. um, and I, so, you know, for me, it's about how do we bring to the fore some of the really 
cool niche stuff which is different about Bing as a search engine. You know, if you look at our visual search, for instance, mm. um, it's so much more sophisticated than any other visual search in the market today. You know, if, if you have a, a picture of a room, and, and I'm talking about this because I'm redecorating my house at the moment, okay. you know, if you see an image of a room and you think, oh, that, that light fitting in that picture is really nice, I wonder where it's from, but it doesn't say anything about it. You can snip that and cool, you can search yeah. using that snip of that, that image. And it will, hmm. in, it will it give will you results, yeah. you know, yeah. based on the snip of the yeah. image that yeah. you put in. Um, another really interesting piece, which is is rolling out now, actually, and it's rolled out in the US. It's going to be rolling out to international markets um, as we speak. Is is this notion of a lot of people will see a search engine as the as the one source of truth, mm. which isn't necessarily the case. Mm. You know, if you think about how search engine results come about in in the very you know in its very um, the way that that happens, it's difficult for there not to be bias for subjective questions, right? If you ask any search engine what's the tallest building in the world, they should all give you a pretty course, similar yes. standard answer. Yeah. Mm. But if you go to a search engine and say, are video games bad for me? Yeah. Mm. That There's not a one source of truth answer yeah. there. And, you know, particularly if you look at the world today and we talk about society being polarised mm. and being exposed to different... Um, you know, news. a certain mm. a certain mm. opinion. Yeah. I think this is this is a huge, huge, big deal yeah. to think about. So, firstly, the search having more than one search engine provides choice for the user. Yeah. But actually, we're going a step further and introducing something called perspectives on Bing. Yeah. So, you know, actually, if you type in um, "are video games bad mm. for me." Yeah you'll see this this box that turns up in the search results page called perspectives and it will give you two perspectives from two verified sources but where the opinions that's are right. different that's very nice right? yeah. because we think that the it's consumer and the, the user yeah. makes the choice we yeah. we shouldn't decide but, yeah. but what we should do is provide verified mm. opinions of what we think the answer to that question is that's really interesting the whole point of algorithms is is to reduce your decision-making necessity they give you stuff right and so that then you're essentially giving your decision-making to the people who run the algorithms which is a really inhumane and ultimately that they are dedicated to making more money out of you whereas that is then putting humanity back into this this algorithmic digitalized world i think it's it's absolutely necessary sort of like living in a it's like it's quite it's quite anachronistic in the sense it's like living in a village where you never, you know, in the Middle Ages, where there were no newspapers, so you could, mm. so all the opinions were from one source, which yeah. might be the mayor of the village or the or the or the local yeah. priest. And if what you're doing is just living within the algorithmic, oh, I feel a blog coming on, coming with <laughs> living within a kind of algorithm that's saying, here's what you think, and here's what people like you think, and here's the answer that you'll like the most. Exactly. It's like going back to the Middle Ages. Yeah, really interesting. What's and next it, for you? Okay. Yeah, I mean. Sorry, just to kind of close yeah. up on that, Sorry. but you know, then there's there's the piece around what's next for Bing ads, yes. which is of course yeah. you know, where, yeah. where most of my time is spent. Hmm. Um, is really this we are making a very big shift of going beyond search and um, going into audiences. So you know, in the next quarter, we are launching Microsoft Audience Network, which is our first kind of foray in really using the rich data that we have. 
Um, and that's not just across our network, but for the first time we're bringing in data from LinkedIn. So it's our first time that we're partnering oh. and using the data from yeah. LinkedIn to provide a you know a super rich look at our audience and then allow allow our our advertisers, our customers, and our partners um, to really look at targeting yeah. that audience in in a way where we see the intention that they have in search, but actually you can target yeah. them outside of search. It's a real USP, isn't it, as it, well? It's I mean, really exciting. Yeah, and early results, we launched this actually in the US in the last six months, um, and early results have been have been really, really positive, and we're, we're pretty excited about launching. And the UK will be the first European market where we launch. Um, so that's a really exciting place for us. Mm. You know, Bing as a business now contributes significantly to the bottom line of Microsoft yeah. and, and you know, the advertising business of Microsoft overall. And so you're seeing all this investment going into the consumer product, mm. in, into the, uh, you know, into our ad products and our team and what we're offering to our customers. Um, it's, a, it's a really exciting place yeah. to be at the moment. Great. Right, we're on to the regular questions. And in the interest of time, I'm going to ask you to keep them snappy. Yep. What's your favourite lyric? Um, I change like my lyric <laughs> yeah. my favourites change all the favorite. time I'm like this favorite. about music yeah. favourite for now favourite for now is um, I'm a keep running because a winner don't quit on themselves from which is a song from the album Lemonade by Beyonce which is one well, of my favourites at the moment <laughs> lyric. this is one of my favourites one of my favourites and when I'm having one of those days yeah. where yeah. I feel like chucking it all in yeah. that's yeah. the thing I say to myself the queen be on. it was a it was a transformational album I, I'd, I'd say can't, and you can't argue with uh, Beyonce um, my favourite question if you were a genie what five commonly available objects would I put in a circle magic circle to summon you that's quite hard keeping it down to five. <laughs> yeah. um, but we're very first, strict. Yeah, yeah, yeah very, gosh, very you are. Um, <laughs> without a doubt, my number one has to be a cheeky Nando's. Okay. Amazing. What's your order? Uh, it's chicken in pitta with cheese, medium with peri peri fries on the side. I love that. I do think there are two types of people as well people who know their Nando's order and people who don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I also I'm have, sorry, I'm a not. I, I, uh, <laughs> I have also visited a Nando's on uh, three different continents, so just. You know. Winning. Yeah. <laughs> <Just like> winning. <laughs> Raising the bar on Nando's fans <laughs> all over the world. That's what I bring. Fun. Um, number two, um, the box set Killing Eve. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, no, I love that. G. Oh, really? Yeah, no, Would it be like as good that. the second time around? Oh, yeah, or? I yes. don't know. I don't, I don't know. Oh, what, well, you mean the second series? No, 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 no I guess no, the second time you watch it. Right. Oh, I think, yeah, you know, there's so much detail yeah. and sophistication yeah. in cool. that show. I, I, I think it might be even better. But, but yeah, no, awesome, awesome protagonists. Yeah. Right, that's two. Uh, number three, <sighs> karaoke box. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, anyone who's ever. What's your, uh, what's your song? Uh, Nelly, hot in here. How is it? Oh my gosh. Anyone who has ever worked with me, for me, in any capacity will know karaoke always happens at the end of the night. Fine. Uh, number four, uh, you know, speaking of end of nights, a bottle of Chianti Classico. So mm -hmm. um, my husband and I are big wine enthusiasts yeah. and do a lot of wine trips. And my favourite red wine is um, Chianti. Cool. Very Can good. you get hold of that? Yeah. Uh, num and the the last one actually, I was thinking because I was thinking along the lines of music. And although I love, you know. Uh, my favourite album or my favourite lyric came from Lemonade. Um, I obsess about 
music. So when I find when something new comes that I love, I literally listen to it every day, every day, mm. all the time, mm. until the next thing mm. comes. Mm. Um, and at the moment, my obsession is that the album "Everything Is Love" by the Carters, which is the next album to uh, to Lemonade. Okay. And I just, it's fantastic. Great. Cool. Uh, your house is in a disaster. Everything that's alive in it is out and safe. But we want you to go and you've got time to get three things. Yep. What, what, what are they? Uh, so I'm pretty crazy about accessories generally. Yeah. Um, and so without a doubt, two of those things would be one, my jewelry collection. Right. Um, second is my scarf collection. Cool. I love a good scarf. Yeah. Uh, third is my electric blanket. Yeah. Life changing. Yeah. Especially on a day like today. Thing. Exactly the same thing. Life changing. Yeah. You know, especially the ones where you can have different temperatures on each side of the bed. Oh, yeah. But now, now I have one, and this was a birthday present from yeah. my husband, so go figure. Mm. Uh, one that has differing temperatures at the top and the feet. Wow. As well as the left and the right. That is complicated. Yeah. There's one in America which cools down, which is meant to be mind blowingly good. It uses water. Um, and that's why I need to go on hot all the time. Wow. I can't believe I'm in this conversation. What it's like, well, it used to be, there used to be an old people's thing, right? The electric blanket <laughs> used to be like a... Uh, okay, the electric blanket. Um, uh, which book have you given away the most, or what's your favourite book? I'll go with what I've given away the most. I've mm. actually bought this book and given it to people the mm. most. It's a book called Your Baby Week by Week. Okay. Um, it's by Simona Cave and Dr. Caroline Fertelman, but... It documents every week from the week your child is born, yeah. um, what will happen in that week, all the way up to your child being six months old. Yeah. And somebody advised me about this when I had my first, and I couldn't believe how accurate yeah. it was. Yeah. And then I was like, come on, you're a scientist. Mm. Many people before you had children, mm. and someone just had the news to go. Hey, why don't we? But don't they? What don't babies all develop at a slightly different pace? I mean, there may be slight nuances, but on the a whole, lot, a lot of uh... you know, it would literally say week three, your baby's, you know, your baby's poo is going to look like this, and we were like, oh, oh my god, god. Yeah. how like this is uncanny, and it it just carried on and honestly it was it was a it was a real lifesaver for me and and John when we had mm. our first because we had this you know with both scientists so, so you, you we loved having a point data. of reference yes. and we liked knowing and being able to you know look back and i have given that book to countless people yeah. over the years who have all come back and said to me oh my god why you know i, I always think that parenting is one of these things where People think it should just be natural, and I'll know what to do. Yeah. And, it was, no. and you're like, well, you you probably will, but why wouldn't you oh, use all the I'm data? A, I'm a go with the flow from from years myself. and years and years of experience I'm, that will just help, you I'm, know. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, it's it's def by far the book that I've given away the most. You know, the last time someone came, the only other time someone came on this podcast and told us that the book that they bought someone was the parenting for the first year of their life, really specifically, was the day my wife told me that we she was pregnant. Oh, right. So. Oh. If that happens, Rabbi and I am blaming you. Yeah. It's your fault. <laughs> Interesting. Watch this space. Watch we'll we'll this post. We'll be tweeting. If you could change the industry in one way right now, what would it be? That, without a doubt, more more diversity in the very upper roles within yeah. our industry. Because the cool. report that's just come out is, you know... It, and diversity in, in every way, yeah. right? In every yeah. way, because... Shows that we haven't moved enough. Yeah, absolutely. Um so we're going to give you a billboard. Um, where would you put it and what would you say on it? 
I, I struggled to think about where, and so, you know, maybe we come up with that together. Okay. Um, but what I would say on it is um, when you design for the edges, you design for everybody. Mm. Um, oh, I love that. Mm. What is I, that your quote? No, no, it isn't. Actually, it mm. is my quote, but it's something, again, we talk a lot about yeah. um, at Microsoft. But a really good example I'll give you, you know, I talked earlier about the Xbox adaptive controller. Yeah. And when the team were working with um, with the community that the controller was being built for, one of the strongest pieces of feedback that came from that community about what blocked them from buying Microsoft products, unbelievably, is the plastic wrapping that comes around oh, the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Because if you think about, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of um, a lot of that community would be around motor neuron issues. Yeah. yeah. And getting into that kind of packaging actually really, really yeah, difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So repelling the customer. Absolutely. Yeah. So actually, if you look at the the packaging for the adaptive controller, has been completely revamped. So the box actually opens by removing just one tab. The whole box falls open. There's no plastic packaging around it, mm-hmm. and you pull one more tab, and the entire instruction. It's not a booklet Brilliant. anymore because actually yeah. that was also very difficult. It's just laid out on the bottom of the box. Brilliant. But do you then know anybody who ever liked that plastic packaging no. around no. the box or the twisty no. ties, those cable no, ties? No, I mean, no, anyone no. who's got no, kids, no. those toys yeah. that come with those plastic cables yeah. are the just, most annoying yeah, things yeah, about yeah. getting into those toys. Yeah, then you fight them, don't you? So, yeah. you know, when you talk about this and everyone goes, yeah. oh, no, I hate, I hate it, that I hate plastic it. packaging. Yeah. You know, you design for the edges. Mm. You actually design for everything. Very Brilliant. good. Raveline, the last question comes from the School of Life box. It's the one which you use. cannot prepare for and you, you cannot can't prepare for this. And you, are oh, you know I'm a massive person yeah. around preparation. This is very high anxiety point for me. So could you pick one of these, read it out, and then answer it, please, to finish, finish the show. Okay. So it says, I am naturally best at... And then it gives me three, uh, sorry, six answers to what you want me to just choose one from. I'd like you to read the whole thing and okay. tell us. So I am naturally best at A, words, B, visuals, C, dealing with people, D, numbers, E, ideas, and F, getting things done. I would pick dealing with people. Okay. Great. We wouldn't disagree. We wouldn't disagree at You've all. You've dealt with us very well. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Raveline, thank you so much for your time. It's been oh, lovely. thank you. This has thank been you. a pleasure.